Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com. Did you know that half of America is single? Hollywood has never produced anything like this before. The Dating Project, a groundbreaking documentary that follows five single people, ages 18 to 40, as they search for authentic and meaningful relationships. There is no script. There are no actors. These are real people trying to find love and happiness in an age of swiping left or right. From Empower Pictures, Paulus Productions, Family Theater Productions, and Pure Flix, you can now own The Dating Project. Save the date by visiting thedatingprojectmovie.com and go a step further and help others in your circle date differently by partnering with Ascension Press. Visit shop.ascensionpress.com to acquire the companion study guide. The Dating Project movie is now available on DVD and digital download on Amazon, iTunes, and Walmart. Please visit thedatingprojectmovie.com for details. one-day price drop in almost three years. Bank stocks reporting earnings. The stocks may not shine as well as the earnings do. And a Florida man. Do I need to say anything else? All that and more today on Chuck and Ann on Finance, brought to you by IIE Financial. IIE Financial, willing the good of another. Visit us online at iiefinancial.com or call the offices today, 832-953-4998. That's 832-953-4998. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you happen to be in the world. I'm your host, Chuck Fulkerson, joined again this morning by my significantly better half as we are, you know, just kind of kicking it old school. It's it's uh, it's officially Friday Eve. <laughs> we don't we don't go by that. No, I, I actually hate the term Friday Eve. I know a lot of people, a lot of people dig it. It's not my thing it, because what we, and it, I think it all stemmed from the Geico commercial. Remember the Geico commercial? No, I don't. So there was a there was a Geico commercial. It it wasn't for Friday Eve. It was for Wednesday. And there was a camel walking around the office going, Mike, 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 Mike. And then it said a camel on hump day. And he walked around going hump day. (laughs) That was the one that I remember was the Geico commercial. But that stemmed to Friday Eve. And I will say this. I hate the concept of Friday Eve because it just makes it seem like. Oh, my life is terrible. I can't wait for the weekend. And then on Sunday, you're like, where's the bottle? I need to drink because, oh, gosh, here comes Monday. I know. Just like take each day. Be grateful for each day. I know. You might as well just crawl in the coffin and wait. I know, especially since you're only enjoying 
two sevenths of your life. I know, really. <laughs> well, <clears throat> speaking of enjoying, and I shouldn't enjoy this. I don't enjoy it. Matter of fact, I no, I kind of enjoy it sometimes, uh, but I don't mean to enjoy the the obvious suffering that was caused. But we we typically do news of the weird on Tuesdays, and it's you know it's one of my favorite subjects of the week. But we got a new one for today. Our news segment really should just be entitled News of Florida because no, well, if for years it was for well for 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 or uh, Louisiana, yeah, it was Louisiana, right? It was we found a finger in somebody's body. <laughs> news of the SEC. <laughs> a fight breaks out on the floor of the Senate, like all these stuff, right? Well, a Florida man is charged with stabbing. Now, <clears throat> in a normal story. It's not going to really make you even turn the page twice till you realize itself is pretty terrible. Yeah. In and of itself, it's terrible that this Florida man stabbed a Chicago tourist. But the interesting part is that he has no arms. He has no arms. Yeah. This happened in Miami and apparently he is like actually a big, he's a popular fixture in the area. The, the, um, the news headline report. The Florida man yeah. with no arms. Well, yeah, people know him. His name is Jonathan Crenshaw. He's a popular guy in the area because he's known for painting on canvases at a particular spot in South Beach. With so no arms. Like, yeah, he has no arms. And, you know, but where there's a will, there's a way. And, um, but according to the arrest report, Crenshaw says he was lying down when this uh, man from Chicago approached him I punched him in the head. Oh, yeah. well, that's not very nice. Uh, no. And so Crenshaw stabbed Coronado twice with a pair of scissors. Well, you got to defend yourself. He was holding scissors with his feet and um, stabbed this guy twice. But the I guess he's being Crenshaw's being charged with aggravated battery because it's a he said, she said. And so the guy he stabbed said they were just stopping to ask for directions. A Chicago guy stops to ask for directions. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I said that with a New York accent. I know. Because I read it in the New York Post. It's a pretty, I don't know. Okay, it's a terrible story. It's a terrible story. It's horrible. But the idea of somebody stabbing somebody with no arms. No arms. I got to tell you, don't mess with that guy. That that takes skill. Don't mess with no guy. So um, that's uh, that's a, an interesting news of the weird for the week. But some some more prevalent market news was that yesterday uh, we had the biggest price drop in oil uh, in about three years. It was the single biggest one day price drop in about three years. And that's a huge price drop. Right. For oil to to come down that far in a day and it dropped from about seventy four dollars a barrel almost to seventy. Um, that's a that's a pretty big clip for a, a major world commodity to fall. Uh, now, the the cause of of the weakness in the commodity is more on the global macro fundamental side. Uh, you know, basically, anytime President Trump travels uh, overseas and talks to people, oil tends to fall. Um, but then, but then, you know, the reason that it fell as far as it did was because of the vacuum. And when I say a vacuum, what I'm really looking at is the fact that there were no buyers at a specific price area because price had rallied up so far so fast. And the only thing that makes price stop falling is a big old pile of buy orders. That's it. Either somebody puts in new buy orders or there's existing buy orders in place. 
And there's a price vacuum between 74 and I would say all the way down to 69, where I think that that oil can come back to uh, over the course of the next few weeks uh, is uh, maybe even the next few days can make it down to about 69, 68, 50 before kind of coming back up. Yeah. And you talked about the macro fundamentals. And uh, I, I had watched President Trump in his meeting. They, they released a video of him talking to a lot of the um, world leaders, specifically with respect to Germany and Russia. And it was a NATO meeting where he basically called out Germany for saying, look, you know, you're, you guys are paying one percent. We're paying four point two or four point eight percent of uh, right. GDP of a much, 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 much larger GDP, by the way. And um, and Germany is basically at the whims of Russia. So uh, well, that's because that's their main energy supplier. Exactly. And that's what he said. And so, you know, his his point was, look, you guys aren't paying into GDP and you are you're at the beck and call of of Russia because you get 60 percent of your your energy, 60 to 70 percent of, of their energy um, from Russia itself. Yeah. And and when somebody calls calls you out, you, you know, it tends to immediately cause backlash. But you're just pointing out the facts. Right. I mean, there's no there's no denying that you that the U.S. pays the lion's share of the NATO expense. Uh, and it's a big percentage of our GDP uh, of a much larger GDP than than Germany is. And so what that does is that then puts strain on the global oil markets and the global oil markets contracted a little bit on that news. Now, the reaction to the news was a little bit of a price drop. The reason price continued to drop was the vacuum where no buyers existed. And so we have to look at price history to see where buyers could exist. So you got to go all the way back to the end of June, between maybe June 22nd and June 26th, to see a couple of days where price didn't really go anywhere. It just went sideways for a few days. And that going sideways for a few days is actually a very telling point, because while it was going sideways, we know that there had to be an equal number of buyers and an equal number of sellers. Well, then price rallied out of there, and it didn't just rally out a little it bit. Rocketed out. It was, it was like Elton John's Rocket Man, right? <laughs> it's burning up the fuel all here alone, or whatever the words are. <laughs> cheap cologne, or burning up the fuel cheap cologne. Right? Is that how it goes? <laughs> yes. right. Nobody knows those words. But anyway, <laughs> um, it, it shot right out of the of the area. Now, when it when it shoots out of the area, what happens is there were still people that wanted to buy at that price point at the sixty. That was around sixty eight, sixty nine dollars a barrel. There were still people that wanted to buy, but price shot up faster than they were able to get their orders filled. And so, what happens is you now have this inventory of buyers that are sitting there waiting for price to come back. Now, they're not physically sitting there waiting. There, there's, a, there's orders that have been placed electronically that are sitting in the queue, and they're waiting to get triggered once price comes down. It's essentially the, the market from an electronic standpoint acts as an if-then statement. If the price comes to here, then place the trade, whether that's buy or sell. And I think when we're looking at news and we're, you know, we're looking at, you can't ignore fundamentals and you can't ignore technicals either. And, and so when we're, when we're considering these things, you know, you said like the market reacts whenever president Trump is overseas, you know, it doesn't make it where investing and trading is just up for grabs and out for the gamble. Um, you know, and we're just at the 
whim of the market. That's not being a good steward. We need to be looking at both the, you know, the fundamentals. And then when the market reacts, where are the technical levels where that, you know, where the where the market can turn? Where are the areas of, of probability probability where we see those um, unequal levels of buyers and sellers? Yeah. And that's what we're looking for is ultimately the the imbalance between buyers and sellers. And if I can find that imbalance, I can find where true market trade facilitation occurs. Mm -hmm. And as a professional, that's all they look for every day. That's all professionals look for every day. Um, And they may, you know, look for value stocks or things that have good fundamentals or, but most importantly, if, if one person thinks it's a good buy, but nobody else does, it's not going to be a good buy because one person doesn't have enough juice to move the whole market. Well, when we think about our financial markets, the way that they work, the way that they're designed, it it works simply because there's so many buyers at a given price point. There's so many sellers at a given price point, and there's enough that will cause price to move. So when you look at your own investment portfolio, what in the world does this have to do with you and your investment portfolios? Well, if your investment portfolios are any way tied to the market, but you don't quite understand how market movement affects it and how the market itself is moved, then you've got a vulnerability in your portfolio centered around not having a plan of what to do when those imbalance periods occur. So those imbalance periods will occur. And frankly, I think they're going to occur more now than they have in the past few years, simply because of our economic uh, and uh, and global macro environment. So keep an eye on that kind of going forward. So if you've got any questions, please shoot me an email, chuck at iiefinancial.com. Call the offices 832-953-4998. So changing gears a bit, uh, I want to highlight something that is a big deal for a lot of people. And I, I, uh, I joke around about it, and Annie's not with me today, but if, if she were, she'd understand my point. If she were a transformer, her name would be Amazon Prime. And so um, in celebration of upcoming Prime Day... Amazon has Prime Day. So what is Prime Day? Prime Day is the day on Amazon, if you're a member of Amazon Prime, that you can get a lot of special deals. Um, Target is planning a one-day online sale to overlap with Prime Day. Walmart just announced that they're going to give free two-day shipping with no membership costs. So they're kind of competing with Prime. And what I see when I look at that, when I see Amazon lining something up to, to go against Prime Day, when I see... Uh, Walmart directly taking aim at Amazon, putting it in its sights uh, to challenge that whole concept of of Amazon Prime. What I see is chasers. That's what I see. I see people chasing the king, if you will. I see people that are that are going after um, what's already shown to be a pretty successful business model because they don't have that same business model and they're and they're racing to play catch up. You know, if you look at the performance of the shares of those respective companies over the past year, uh, what you'll see is that Amazon for, you know, for at this at this very moment, Amazon's trading at about $17.98 a share, almost $1,800 a share. But for the year, it's gone from $1,172, $1,180 to $1,800. So now that's that's uh, that's like a. I don't know, almost like a 60% gain year to date for Amazon. Uh, Whereas Walmart 
has gone for year to date from $98 a share down to 86. So that's about a, what would that be? Um, 11% loss. So whereas Amazon has an almost a 60% gain, Walmart's at 11% loss. Uh, Target started the year at about 65 and now they're trading at 76. So it's had about a 15% gain. So if you look at it, performance of the shares themselves it's not even a competition, right? It's not even close. And so what happens to what this tells me is that all of these traditional retailers are simply playing catch up. They're simply playing catch up, trying to trying to trying to be um, what's already winning, right? Trying to go find what's uh, what's already working for somebody else and essentially copy it. And that, you know, that has merit if done the right way uh that has merit occasionally and the reason it has it has merit is because sometimes a company is not always first to market but they wind up taking the market share so amazon wasn't really the first to market with the online retailer concept they just did it better than everybody else um just like facebook wasn't really the first to market in online social media they did it better than everybody else as a matter of fact if if anybody remembers that's if anybody's old enough that still listens to this um i guess you have to be kind of between young enough and old enough right you got to be old enough to remember but young enough to have used it um facebook had a predecessor and the predecessor of facebook was myspace myspace was really uh, the first one. Everybody remembers their, their their first friend was always a guy named Tom, um, who was the who was the guy who started uh, who was the 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 head of of MySpace at the time. And and MySpace was the was the big one. It was the one that most people were on. I, I remember that because I was uh, I was old enough to to have a MySpace profile, but but uh, but I'm old enough to remember it, but not old enough to uh to have really you know done anything with it now uh it's still around all right it's still around i i uh, i think it's been purchased by another company but that's the it's nothing like what it was because you know facebook just came in and, and did a better job and so i think the same thing happens when we look at at what amazon has done right amazon uh wasn't the first online retailer right you had companies like frankly ebay was out there you had online shopping at aol you had uh you know amazon when it first started was just an online bookstore and people didn't think it could compete with barnes and noble at that point right uh, companies that that evolve companies that reinvent themselves because they know that that's the best thing for the company they're the ones that are the growth stocks right now uh, another example of that is netflix a lot of people forget that netflix before it was netflix the online um you know on demand streaming video service was reed hastings the video rental store um reed hastings was a video rental store i think primarily in the western part of the u.s but it was a competitor of blockbuster and things like that and then they started doing it became netflix when they were doing dvds through the mail uh i remembered having a netflix account because i would get dvds through the mail and then that business slowly died off and it was replaced by the streaming i remember when the streaming business was just an add-on if you were a netflix subscriber uh, because the streaming thing was so brand new well now netflix is 
is, you know, it's the darling of Wall Street. And so the reason I bring this up is because whenever you're looking at investments, I think it's important to look at things. Are they changing the landscape? Are they changing the narrative? And I've said this for a long time. And I kind of wish I had I, I kind of wish I had had done it uh, when I was that young. But look at the people between the ages of 17 and 25. To me, that's the magic. What are they doing? What are the people between the ages of 17 and 25 doing? Not what are they investing in? What are they buying? What are they spending their time doing? What are they watching? What are they, you know, what are they consuming? Because those are going to be the ones that are that are driving the future growth, the future, the future markets. And and I I, I believe that when Amazon Amazon got, you know, your your best investment period in Amazon was when the people that were using it were 17 to 25, which is three to five years ago, right? It's now a millennial uh, doesn't have any belief in, you know, why would you go anywhere else other than order things from Amazon? Heck, I say millennial. My wife and I, to this day, we go to the grocery store, we look around uh, and uh, and we don't see what we want. So we go order on Amazon. We go, to, we go to Walmart or Target and we don't see what we want. So we order it where get you guessed it on Amazon. So what is it that the 17 to 25 year olds are doing today that a lot of people may not be spending as much time in? Well, the one that I'm looking at, there's two areas that I'm personally looking. One is online gaming. Uh, Now, online gaming is certainly not new, uh, but there are more people now doing it than ever, and it's completely blowing up. And 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 it's a it's a huge opportunity, right? The biggest one that a lot of people have been talking about is this Fortnite thing. Um, and this Fortnite game is a very big buck, a very big play, because a lot of people are uh, are are using Fortnite as as a yeah, I, I call it a release, right? They're playing this Fortnite game, which is a for those of you that don't know, Fortnite is a free online game that you can kind of play it's kind of like the hunger games um because the hunger games are uh uh you know you there's there's people that go in you got to kill them all and then the one person survives well that's kind of what what the um what what fortnite is there's a hundred people in a game anywhere in the world and you control your own player and while you're controlling your own player somebody's trying to kill your player and you're trying to kill other people and my point behind it is whether the game is good or not is irrelevant. How are they making money from it? Right? How are they making money from Fortnite? And how does that become an investing opportunity? And it's not just Fortnite, but it's any of those online gaming. Um, and, and so I think that, and now right now, Fortnite is not uh, a, uh, a publicly traded company. The company that makes Fortnite is, uh, is Epic. Uh, Epic is not a, uh, it's not, it's not a publicly traded company, but it soon may be a way that you can generate revenue from it. So Epic games isn't publicly traded, uh, but Trendcent holdings, which is a Chinese company, they have 40% of the stake of Epic. And so there is an opportunity there. Uh, it's a t- ticker symbol T C E H Y, uh, that is one opportunity if for investors, if they're so inclined, because that's, that's the, that's the big one. And they're, 
they're a perfect fit uh, for an investor who's looking for a speculative investment because it's still a low enough price stock. It's still under $50 a share. Um, so just something to consider when you're looking at what's my what's my next opportunity and it's now it's not it's not a growth stock it's actually fallen from 61 down to 48 because it's a chinese stock and the chinese market has taken quite a hit um but they're a chinese company which owns 40 percent now interestingly enough and i'm not going to dive too deep into this because we're running out of time but it's a company that owns 40 percent of a u.s online gaming platform it's a Chinese company which owns 40% of the largest U.S. online gaming platform, which means that when you download this thing onto your phone, you, it now has access to your location, to your data, to all your information. Yet its 40% stake is owned by a Chinese company. I completely can understand where some of these tariffs are coming from, right? Uh, that becomes a very big privacy issue. So just something to consider uh, as, you're, uh, as you're looking at it and you're doing your investigation. Just keep some of those things in mind. IIE Financial is an investment advisor representative with Symphony Financial, a registered investment advisor. Charles Fulkerson is an investment advisor representative with IIE Financial and Symphony Financial, LTD Co., Annie Fulkerson is not registered nor affiliated with Symphony Financial. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Symphony Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. IIE Financial does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love. Thank you for listening to Breadbox Media. Find more about us at BreadboxMedia.com.